0: Good morning. Welcome to worship. Glad you're here with us. If you would grab your bulletins, a few announcements as we get started. First of all, uh, you should have been handed a green piece of paper on your way in. Everybody has one of these, hopefully. All right, this is uh, uh, your Serving Opportunities at McCansville Baptist Church form for a nominating committee. If you would circle what areas you might be interested in, put your name and phone number on that, and then put in the offering plate. This would be needed by the 22nd of this month, and uh, the nominated team uh, will look and see about what places we need to be filled and help you if you are interested in any of these uh, different aspects to serve. So we love to get more people involved, more people serving on these teams, and if you are interested, please get that into the Church office, or in the bulletins, or in the uh, offering plates before the twenty-second. If you want to do it this morning before our offering, that would work too. So, uh, that's what those green sheets are. So look them over, pray about where you would like to serve this year. Uh, on the back are opportunities for the week of our bulletin. And tonight we do have our encounter service at five o'clock here, and then at six thirty is our cantata, one quiet night over in the FLC. It'll be followed by a tasting. So if you'd bring. Some things to share, that would be wonderful as well. But 6.30 tonight in the uh, FLC. This week, we've got Vision Team meeting on Monday, basketball. Uh, Teenagers are going to the Capitol, I believe, on Tuesday, so that'll be a good trip. Keep them in prayer as well. And then Wednesday night, supper is Chicken. We've got Juana Youth and our Called Business meeting. I think Robbie's going to share more about that in a minute. Uh, This Wednesday night at 6.15, Choir Rehearsal and so forth. So uh, looking forward to a good week together in our church. And I think that's it for me. So let's go Robbie and then Sandra. Good morning, everybody.
1: Uh, For those that came out last Wednesday night for our budget discussion, thank you for that. We had a good time of discussion on the budget, so thank you for that. Uh, This Wednesday night, this Wednesday night at 615... We're going to have a call business meeting for the purpose of voting on our budget for next year. So please, please be here for that if you can. Uh, All of us can pray for our budget, pray for our church. Uh, Please do that uh, daily. And I just want to share this real quickly with you, and then I'm going to let Sandra come. But Jesus is the most generous person who ever lived. He left the comforts of heaven, took on human flesh, and gave his life on the cross so that we might live in him. In response to Jesus' generosity, we are called to be generous. We are called to be generous with our money. Thank you.
2: Um, Before I make my announcement, I did notice on the back of the um, bulletin, I think the teenagers are actually meeting at 10 and not 1030. Is that right? 10 o'clock, okay, thank you. Um, anyway, I'm here to to share about the Lottie Moon announcement. Um, as I was t- talking about it in the early service, um, most of us who've grown up over, knew who Lottie Moon was as we grew up in Southern Baptist churches, and um. You uh, read last week that our goal is $13,250. As of Friday, we had received $888. And I thought this year I would do something a little different because um, even though most of us know who Lottie Moon was, I wanted to give you a few fast um, facts about her and why it was named after her. <clears throat> um, first of all, she was born um, in 1840 in Charlottesville to a wealthy family. And she didn't become a Christian until adulthood. She was only uh, four feet, three inches tall, which makes her a foot shorter than I am. Uh, Anyway, while she was in college, she felt a desire to go overseas and share the gospel. Uh, But God had different plans for her because she wanted to go right away. So she became a teacher and a nurse um, during the Civil War. So then in 1873, she sailed to China. She faced uh, many challenges on the field, including famine and political unrest, and she communicated um, frequently with Southern Baptist women and um, wrote letters and challenged those in the states to provide better support for the missionaries. And she also inspired the WMU to take up an offering for international missions. So um, in 1888, they raised enough to send three missionaries to China as well, so she could go on furlough and they had such a good response that they started collecting that every year at this time just like um, we're doing now. And she served faithfully um, in China for 40 years and gave her life for China because she became ill um, when people there in China around her were starving, uh, she stopped eating and they sent her home on a boat on uh, Christmas Eve um, in 1912 but she died. And then, five years later, they named the Christmas offering after her. Um, Today, there are 3,714 Southern Baptist missionaries, and your Lighting Moon offering is used solely to support the missionaries with housing, vehicles, training, education for missionary kids, and medical care. We make it possible to reach the lost of the world with their gifts. I also wanted to share something um, firsthand to give you a better picture of um, what your Lottie Moon offering goes for. Because sometimes we hear Lottie Moon and um, we don't always think about everything that um, our missionaries are doing. So I, when I was um, in the office talking to Tim about it, and I uh, told him I wanted to um, write to Carla Evans so she could uh, tell us um, what it what it goes for, where they are, and they were in the Congo, but they're now they're in Angola. And she wrote, wrote me this email back, and she gave um, some statistics. First of all, she and Steve and um, and also wrote to Ronnie and Gail Davis in Cape Town. Uh, they always start out by thanking all of us for for supporting them with the Lottie Moon offering. But as we speak now, Steve is in um, Sanga so and which is in um, Democratic Republic of Congo. And the Lottie Moon offering provides them for personnel training, mentoring, logistical support, and financial management. And other IMB personnel will be um, involved in additional orality and Bible story projects that will continue beyond 2020. Well, these are the um, facts that she sent me, the statistics, and they're pretty staggering. Bible languages, there are 25. Languages with only scripture portions, three. Those who heard Bible stories in their languages, over 85,500 people. Story and groups started, 411. New churches, 32. Salvations, 11,187. Baptisms, 2,264. Total being trained to craft and use stories in ministry, 137. Total consultants and trainers being trained and mentored by Steve Evans, seven. Uh, Right now, there's a new orality and Bible story and project that will start in Seotome and Principe, I don't know how to say it, but in 2020 on the islands. And that will be another partnership between IMB and the seed company. And the Lottie Moon Challenge Funds have provided most of the support for two oral Bible schools on those islands. Over 100 pastors and church leaders are currently receiving training. Um, as they wind down uh, these two projects in the Congos, um, they're, wor- they're working to, for oral Bible schools and three orality and Bible stern projects in Angola, and that will involve 9 to 11 bible languages. So that gives you a clear picture of what the, the offering goes for. And then the missionaries, um, Ronnie and Gail Davis, um, when they wrote, they said, prayerfully consider what God wants us to give back to his service to reach the lost. Um, What you give, what we give will make the the goal of $13,250 become a reality. Thank you.
0: Romans chapter 6, starting verse 1, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we've been buried with him through baptism into death so that Christ, as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, that we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would be no longer slaves to sin, for he who has died is free from sin. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for your great victory in which you have given us through Jesus Christ. We thank you for the freedom that we have and that we as your people are to be united uh, in your likeness. So God, we pray that you would um, bring us together, that you would make us the church in which you've called us to be, and that this service, this day, that this, uh, all that we do would honor you and bring you glory, and that uh, each and every moment our eyes would be focused on you. We thank you for guiding and directing us in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey,
1: good morning, Let us stand and sing number 184, Angels We Have Heard on High. Please stand and sing with us. Today, we light the advent candle of peace. God kept his promise of a savior who would be born in Bethlehem. Preparation means to get ready. Help us to be ready to welcome you, O oh God. As is written in the book of the words of Isaiah, the prophet, A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked road shall become straight, the rough ways smooth, and all mankind will see God's salvation. Let us continue worship this morning. We're going to sing hymn number 215, but verses 1, 3, and 5. This is 215. We three kings of Orient are, verses 1, 3, and 5. Please stand and sing with us.
3: Morning. Good morning. God is good all the time. And all the time. God is good. That's not a cliche, just want to let you know. He is good all the time. Amen. So I, I want to say something this morning while we're standing here. Since October, we've been bombarded with telling us about Black Friday sales and, and, all, and all these other things of going into debt and buy, 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 buy. We set a month aside for the birth of Jesus Christ. That's what this December was set aside for us, to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. So as baptized, born-again believers, we should stand strong against, the, against this world today and say, it's not happy holidays, it's Merry Christmas. Amen. And I come to, say, to, to serve the risen Lord. So make sure if anybody says that to you, whether it's at the store or wherever it is, happy holidays, you stand proud and say, no, no, Merry Christmas. We come to celebrate the risen Christ. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity you've given to us. Lord, you have been so merciful and so good to us, O oh God, and we can never, ever repay you back. We thank you, God, for the gift of life, for the health and strength in our bodies. We thank you, O oh God, for the allowing us to be able to cele- celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ this morning, O oh God. Throughout this month, O oh Lord, allow us, O oh God, to be able to rise up every day and praise you for the name of Jesus Christ. Allow us to be able to tell people who he is and what he means to us. Thank you, O God, for the life he had down here on this earth, for the cross that he bore for our sins. Thank you for the gift of salvation that he has given to us, O God. And let us not be ashamed of who you are when we stand before man today. Oh, Father God, as we prepare our hearts and minds to hear a word from you this morning, oh God, we ask that you purge us, oh God, and allow us to be able to hear a word from you. Clean us up, oh God, anything that be hindering us from being able to accept your word, we ask you to remove it. And then, oh Lord, as we bring our tithes and offerings to you this morning, oh God, we ask, Father God, again, that you would purge us. For you told us in our word, oh God, that when we come... We, be, we come to you to be able to give our sacrifice, that we are to make sure that there is nothing in our hearts hinder us, that we forgive our brothers and sisters. Cleanse us, O oh Lord. Then, O oh Father, we ask that you take these tithes and offerings and our gifts, O oh Lord, and use them to your glory, O oh God, till you get the glory of everything that happens around us and in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
4: And the funny thing is, it's okay. The last thing I need is to be heard, but to hear what you would say. It's okay.
5: Shall we pray? Gracious and loving God, We bow together today in your house, giving thanks for your word and its power in our lives, recognizing, Father, that as we come here today, we do so as the family of God, together as one, rising one voice to you as we seek, Father, to sing your praises grateful for every opportunity that becomes our responsibilities to share your glorious message. We have many, Father, who are out ill. We pray, Father, that they will be on the mend and soon recover. And for those, Father, that are dealing with the loss of loved ones in this season of the year, wrap your arms around them. Bring to them peace and assurance and hope. For our missionaries we pray and we give thanks, Father, that we can have part in their work around the world. Keep them safe. Keep them ever before us as they are ever before you in service. We ask, Father, that you take away the distractions of this season and of this world from us at this moment. And allow us to concentrate on you and your word. In the name of Jesus, amen. Our scripture this morning is found in Luke chapter 1, and your bulletin says through verse 31. And uh, that's the way I had uh, given it to Gene to publish, but actually I want to read through verse 38. So beginning at verse 26 through verse 38. According to your word. And the angel departed from her. There is perhaps no more joyous occasion than the announcement that a family is going to have a baby. And there was no such greater announcement than when Mary was told that the human family was about to be added to by her. But this would be no ordinary birth, for God was the Father, and it would be no ordinary baby for it would be the God-man. The events described in this text are often called the Annunciation, which simply means the foretelling of Christ's birth. But this was more than a simple birth announcement. This was a message of joy to the world. It seems of tragic significance that the human mother of the Prince of Peace should herself have been the object of conflict and contention through the centuries. To some, she is an object of worship. To many, she is the one to whom they pray. There are others who swing the opposite extreme and virtually ignore her. And although in our faith tradition, we do not worship Mary, we revere her memory and honor her as the human mother of our Lord. And so this morning, let's take a deeper look at Mary, her servanthood, and see how her service can also be our service as well. We first look at the Mary of the Bible. God, we know, who at sundry times and in divers manners, spoke in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by His Son, as recorded in Hebrews. But on one occasion, He used an angel to communicate a specific word to some member of humanity. The accounts of Matthew and Luke reveal to us that Mary was a modest and pure young peasant woman in Galilee. She was engaged to a solid, moral, mature man named Joseph. She was deeply in love and looked forward to marriage and the fulfillment of her love. Then came the the mysterious encounter of Mary with the angel Gabriel. The announcement he brought her was staggering. First of all, he proclaimed the favor of God rest upon you. We would think that this would mean that our pathway would be smooth, but just because the favor of God is on us doesn't mean that our pathway will be smooth. Many times we know that when the favor of God falls on people and he calls them to a task, that the task is anything but smooth. It causes a great deal of harm and heartache and hardship. In people's lives. And yet they follow him because they are favored. We would think that this would mean her pathway would be smooth. But the favor of God does not promise an easy way. A simple maid in a small village was to give birth to a child who had no human father. To the neighbors it would be a baby who came too soon. Gabriel, whose name means the Mighty One, has already made one appearance and one announcement in Luke 1 as he appeared to Zacharias. As he introduces himself to Zacharias, he says, I am Gabriel that stands in the presence of God and am sent to speak to you and to show you glad tidings." He would seem to be God's personal messenger, one who awaits God's divine bidding. He is an angelic messenger. We really have no biblical foundation to call him an archangel. And he does not seem to be a seraphim or a cherubim. But the fact that Gabriel is an angel is indisputable. The term angel, which means messenger, is used ten times in the first chapter of Luke in referring to Gabriel. This divinely appointed envoy is an accomplished messenger. This is not his first assignment. On two occasions, Gabriel came to present the meaning of visions to Daniel. He appears to Zacharias here in Luke chapter 1 to proclaim a miracle and we see him in his finest hour as he is sent to Mary. The Bible says that the angel's desire to look into the things that God does on our behalf is found in 1 Peter chapter 1. This angel Gabriel is further seen as an appreciative messenger, one who cannot help but admire what God is doing in the life of Mary. For he says, Hail you that is highly favored, the Lord is with you, blessed are you among women. How was she to reveal this staggering revelation to Joseph? Worse than wagging tongues and bitter gossip and slander was the probability that she would lose the man she loved. But God also revealed to Joseph his divine plan, and Mary and Joseph were married. But we know there were many other problems in Mary's life. The favored one, she gave birth to her firstborn child in Bethlehem, 70 miles from home, none of her family was with her. No skilled and experienced women were present to supervise the birth of the baby. Only Joseph and the animals were around her. The baby was born in a cattle stall and not in a clean room in the inn. While her son was still a baby, Mary had to flee with him to Egypt to escape a cruel tyrant, Herod. When Jesus was a man, he left the carpenter shop at Nazareth and embarked on a ministry that seemed senseless to his mother. There's not a mother alive who would not worry about their child striking out on their own, no matter what age, to do something that didn't seem quite understandable. And yet Mary knew from the beginning that Jesus was something different. He was extraordinary. Mary witnessed the wise men worshiping her son, but she lived to see the religious leaders of her nation plotting his death. Truly the sword was to pierce her heart. But then we see Mary, the Madonna, the mother of Christ. A messenger is not a messenger without a message. Gabriel's message to Mary first involved a word of consolation. Now I have received a visit. Now I have never received a visit from an angelic emissary, nor do I expect to. But if I did, I think I would be much like Mary in the sense that I would be troubled about it, wouldn't you? But the angel said to her, "Fear not, Mary, for you have found favor with God." Isn't that word fear a common word used when the announcement is made of Jesus? Remember what was said to the shepherds? Fear not, for I bring you good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people. Fear not, Mary, for you have found favor with God. The message further involved a word about conception. And behold, you shall conceive and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. There is certainly a miraculous aspect to all of this. The virgin birth is foundational to everything that we believe. It is vital to our faith and our doctrine. But this astonished young lady named Mary received a message from God by means of an angel. There are some important marks of distinction in Mary's life that we should mention. First of all, we notice her purity. The Bible says that Gabriel appeared unto a virgin. She has lived a clean life and God desires to use clean vessels. He desires to, uh, to use those who are pure and devoted. In Mary he found such a vessel. He found one that he had found favor with that could make a difference in the world. We also learned that Mary was espoused to a man whose name was Joseph. She had been given not just a proposal, but also a promise of marriage. Espousal was stronger than our modern custom of engagement. The espousal involved about a year long period in which there was commitment, preparation, and purification prior to cohabitation. Gabriel has revealed all the details about the greatness and identity of her coming son in this annunciation or announcement. But what is her response? First, she made an argued response. Did you see? Then Mary said unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? From the basic standpoint of biology, every child has a father and mother. But Gabriel begins to explain in verse 35, The Holy Ghost shall come upon you, and the power of the highest shall overshadow you. Do you think that this resolved all the questions in her heart? I don't think so. Probably not. How are you going to explain the Immaculate Conception? Mary probably still had some questions. But she found out that God was at the heart of what was going to transpire. When God calls us, that doesn't mean that we have all the answers immediately to what He calls us to do. There is an element of faith and trust in our walk with God. And that's what He was looking for in Mary. The old question is answered here. We cannot limit God. At best, our capacity to understand the ways and the person and the power of God is limited. But God is bigger than our perception and understanding of Him. He can break the laws of biology, of physics and chemistry and all the other scientific laws that he himself has established. He can go above and beyond those things. Why? Because he is God and with him, Gabriel said it, nothing is impossible. I've told some of you this story before. Uh, I spoke with a cardiologist in Lynchburg many years ago and he was telling me that the hardest patients to treat are engineers. And there were lots of engineers around Lynchburg because of uh, the uh, nuclear power reactor plant there where they build nuclear reactors. And I said, well, explain. And he said, well, I'll tell you. He said, when you are an engineer, and he's right about this, you plug in a certain formula and you'll get the same result every time. That's why when we drive over bridges, they don't collapse, right? Right. An engineer had something to do with that design. That's why when we sit in this building, it doesn't fall in on us because an engineer had something to do with the design. I saw some of you looking up. But when it comes to medicine, he said, it doesn't work that way. He said, I can do the same thing to nine heart patients and get the same result. But the tenth one, We'll do entirely something different. And that's hard for people that are used to plugging in formulas and getting the same result every time. But you know what that tells me? How fearfully and wonderfully we're all made. We're all the same and yet different, aren't we? Our makeup. And God uses us for who we are. He used Mary for who she was and her availability at the time. With God, nothing is impossible. This noble woman became a symbol of everything we see in Christian womanhood and motherhood. She was obedient to God's revelation and submissive to his plan. Let it be according to thy word, she said. She laid everything she had on the altar, including her honor, her reputation, her love, and her home. Women of today and even men would do well to imitate her. But let's look at Mary a moment in history. By millions of Roman Catholics today, Mary is looked upon as the mother of God and the queen of heaven. The doctrine was 1,800 years in the making. It began when theologians debated over the deity and humanity of Jesus. The doctrine was based on the premise that if Jesus had a human parent, he could not be sinless. You see, they had a real hang-up with sexual behavior. So the miracle of the Immaculate Conception of Mary was conceived. This doctrine declared that Mary was conceived without sin and lived a sinless life. Since celibacy was considered preferable over marriage, the church proclaimed the perpetual virginity of Mary. The other children in her home were not really hers. In recent years, the Roman Catholic Church created an equally amazing dogma, the Assumption of Mary. Devout Catholics must now believe that Mary was taken bodily into heaven after her death. Though this, Through this process, this simple and modest mother has been distorted and twisted into a strange and paradoxical figure. She is prayed to and worshipped. Hymns and feast days honor her memory and assume her spiritual presence. She seems in some circles to be the fourth person of the Trinity. But this is not how we view Mary. Jesus is able to take flesh because Mary's humanity gives him the possibility. You hear that? Mary's humanity gave Jesus the possibility to become the God-man. God used Mary for who she was. This could only happen with Mary's let it be. You see that phrase in verse 38? Let it be to me according to your word. Someone pointed out to me. Yes, that's just like the Beatles song, isn't it? Mother Mary comes to me speaking words of wisdom. Let it be. Let it be. That's where that comes from. Mary said, let it be, Lord. Your will be done. Her gift to God is her humanity and through her own humanity the incarnation of God came into the world. The incarnation of God is not, however, limited to Mary. It is an affirmation of God's creation and the goodness of humanity. God chooses human flesh as the place of God's dwelling. Each one of us can stand as the favored one. God favors all of us in Jesus Christ the one with whom God is. Each of us is called to grow up to be God-bearers, to carry the life of God without without our own humanity. We are called to be followers of Christ so that we in turn can tell others of the Savior. Mary is part of us. She is that part of us that is womb-like, the part that gives birth to Christ in our world. To reject Mary is to say no to God. To reject Mary is to reject the holy of holies within us. To reject Mary is to end the ongoing story of creation and salvation. To love and venerate Mary, however, is to discover the life God is creating in us. We use Mary as our example of who we should be in relationship to God. You know, we all live with veils in our lives that we think think separate us from God. Mary sees her virginity as a veil of separation, didn't she? How can this be? There are veils of fear, shame, and guilt. Independence and individualism become veils of isolation. Sometimes we are veiled in logic and rationalism and are unable or unwilling to abandon ourselves to the mystery of God. Often our veils are the life we have created for ourselves. But you see, God looks through our veils to see the favored one. Even when we cannot see ourselves that way. God's words of possibility speak across our veils, announcing that God is with us and that we will conceive within us God's own life. God is always stepping through our veils to choose us as God's dwelling place. Isn't that what Jesus said? I will dwell within you. How can this be, Mary says. With these words, Mary acknowledges that the life Gabriel announces is not the life she was creating for herself. But then she goes on to say, let it be. With those words, Mary receives the life God is creating in her. Between how can this be and let it be, the impossible becomes a reality. The never before heard of will forever be spoken of. And the veil between divinity and humanity is falling. And it fallen, and it all started because Mary went from how can this be to let it be. Have we ever reached that point in our walk with the Lord? that we're willing to say, let it be, as you will. Offer whatever excuses, reasons, and veils you have why this cannot be true for you, and Gabriel will tell you differently. Nothing will be impossible with God. And you know the last we see of Mary in the Scripture is in a prayer meeting. All these with one accord devoted themselves to prayer, the scripture says, together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Here we find her not being worshipped, but worshipping. We see her not being prayed to, but praying like others. She has been favored of God and had done her work for him faithfully. Now she dropped back into the midst of the fellowship of God's people. There's but one mediator between God and man, Jesus Christ. We do not have to go through Jesus' mother to get the attention or the response of her son. The intercession of Mary is unnecessary and impossible. Let us, like Mary, join in prayer in Jesus' name to a heavenly father who hears and responds and keeps his promise. And let us, like Mary, say, let it be. For when we do, God can use us to do great things in our lives for him in the same way Mary did. Can you imagine how Mary must have felt when she was given the opportunity to do something so grand, so extraordinary? And yet in the back of her mind, all that must have been running through it. What will people say? What will people think? Will Joseph still marry me? All those questions were let go of when she said, let it be. Shall we pray? Gracious Lord, thank you for your servant Mary. Thank you for what she teaches us even during this Advent season as we are reminded of what a vessel she was the role that she played in bringing the Savior into the world. Help us, Father, like her, to move from how can this be to let it be so that we too can go out and share your love in a world that needs a Savior. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Our hymn of faith and fellowship and invitation is away in a manger, hymn number 205. The invitation is open to anyone who would receive Christ as Lord and Savior. You cannot begin to understand what let it be means until you come to terms with your need for a Savior. The invitation is open as we stand and sing hymn number 205. Thank you for being a part of this service today, and don't forget tonight at 6.30, the cantata in the Family Life Center. Uh, I know your name, Paul. I'm tired, I guess. Paul will, uh, he has many of his students coming to uh, provide orchestra for the um, program tonight as he did last year, so we look forward to that. And then, as I told him, the first service, then the tasting, so bring something for us to taste, Okay. Uh, on that, and I want to thank you. I, I think I can say this. I want to thank you for your kind words in the loss of my dog this past week. Uh, those of you who don't understand dogs' relationships with people don't understand it, and that's okay, but my 18-year, 18, almost 18-year-old 18 Rat Terrier, I had to put her down on Tuesday, and it has been a very difficult week for me. I had had that dog since my children were in the fourth and sixth grade, and you know, they're adults and uh, one has his own child now. So uh, I just thank you for your kind words um, this week, uh, uh, this past week when yeah. you found that out. And I will recover, but it's going to take me a little while, I'm telling you, because that's a hard relationship to break after all these years. So let's bow for a benediction. Gracious Lord, we are grateful that as we leave today, you go with us. And that if we say, let it be, you can use us to do your will. We're grateful, Father, for the power of your love to redeem and for the fact, Father, that we can be witnesses to that love as we share in our community. Help us, Father, as we depart today to ever be mindful that you love us more than we'll ever understand. For it's in the name of Jesus. Amen.